our praise, Jesus, tonight for your amazing and wonderful sacrifice for coming and being Emmanuel, God with us, laying aside all of your glory and coming as a baby, laying down your life as a sacrifice to win us. We just want to say thank you afresh tonight. Thank you isn't a big enough word for rescuing us out of darkness and bringing us into your wonderful light. We just say that we love you, Lord. Amen. So, really tonight, I just want to um, hopefully briefly share two or three points on this whole subject of family. And then we're going to do some practical together and enjoy sharing communion together and pray. Okay. So what I'm going to cover tonight is by no means a full Bible explanation of what God says about family. We'll do some more next week and then we'll carry on in January and cover a bit more. But even the word family these days has different connotations for different people, doesn't it? Because the enemy has run rampage through family life and most of us have now had a distorted or marred experience of what that is. And especially if you are um, single, orphans, or any of those things, talking about family, you can start to, even at this point, notice that you might start to switch off because you think, well, that's not for me then. But this is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's exactly for you and for every single one of us. So this is why we include this in one of our monthly themes, because it's a central theme of the kingdom, that God is our Father, Jesus is his one and only Son, and he has come to win many sons to glory. And when we hear the gospel, and when we accept that what Jesus has done for us on the cross, when we get born again, We don't just enter a relationship with him, do we? We're born again into the family of God and into a whole gamut of relationships with others for whom he is their father. So um, the first scripture, if it's possible somebody on the computer to put that first scripture up for us that I would like us to look at tonight is in Ephesians 4. There you go, Ephesians 4 starting at verse 2. And this is Paul writing to the church. So receive this as his word to us tonight, okay, as the Lighthouse Family Church. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, because we're all part of a family, and family has to do that. Make every effort 
Look at this. To keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It's that word keep that I want us to notice. Because there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Lots of ones. One God, one Father, one family. So I want to talk tonight about family unity. And my my first point is this, actually. I need to correct myself. Because even in some communications that I've done to do with this theme, I've talked about building family. And we don't build a family. We are family. The moment an individual comes into relationship with God, they are adopted into the family fact. We're a family fact. It isn't dependent on our feelings, whether we feel part of the family. Those feelings might be very genuine sometimes where um, you, you might feel outside of something and an observer of it. I'm not disqualifying those, but the fact is, despite those feelings, you are part of the family of God if you have prayed that prayer of salvation, okay? And um, because we all have the same father, we've been brought back into the family by Jesus, and so we're like blood relations through the blood of Jesus. His blood makes us one. When we really believe this, it starts to change our minds about the way we think about ourselves in this church family relationship and the way we think of others. Because church isn't an organisation. It's a family. We could be quite disorganised families sometimes as well. But we're a family first and foremost. And what we believe about that will affect our actions, our words and our feelings. I'm going to say a little bit more about our feelings with regard to this family word in a minute. In the same way that we don't build family, we are family. We can't make unity. Unity has already been gloriously achieved by Christ on the cross. He has made us one. He's brought down every dividing wall. And the kingdom perspective is that we are one. Our minds and our experiences might sometimes tell us something else, but I want us to approach this from what the Word of God says, what God's perspective is, and then adjust our thinking and our behaviour in the light of that. Okay? Galatians 3, in Galatians 3, verse 26, Paul writes that he has made us one. So now, therefore, there is neither. 
what is there neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. It's irrelevant your gender, where you were born, your nationality, your status, economic status, because Christ has made us all one in his great sacrifice once and for all on the cross. So, as far as his perspective is concerned, he's done it. It's a finished work. He's done everything he needs to do to buy our salvation and to make us one in him. So, what about those who say, well, I am a believer, but I don't really feel that I belong. Or, you know, I've heard, I've heard this even in recent months. I feel disconnected. I feel as if I'm on the outside. I'm surrounded in church by people who are not like me. And those feelings are genuine and real because otherwise I wouldn't voice them. However, what I feel the Lord wants me to say tonight on that is this. Relax. That's normal. It's okay. Because he has made us completely diverse. And it's completely right and proper. And in fact a sign of his goodness. That he can save radically different people. And make them all part of his family. So it's absolutely okay to be looking around and thinking, well I'm really different than them. And I'm really different from them, and I, I don't think the way they think, and I, you know, that doesn't disqualify one or the other. It's actually glorious. It's actually glorious. So, can you hear what I'm trying to say? Is don't worry about it. Go, great. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to all become like automatons, all looking the same, sounding the same, and being this kind of uniform whatever. We're supposed to have great diversity. So when you feel those feelings, don't let the enemy use them to isolate you. You can say, yeah, I am different, but that's just wonderful and that's how it's meant to be and this is glorious that God could make us all so different part of his family and we could learn to get along together okay um the next scripture if you don't mind next and last scripture 1 Corinthians 12 verses 14 to 20 now Jesus, in the Bible, uses different images to get his point over. So sometimes he calls us family, doesn't he? Sometimes he calls us bride. Sometimes he calls us his body. But it's all images to help get the same point over. So here in the book of Corinthians, Paul is writing, now the body, the church, the family, is not made up of one part, but of many. And if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. 
it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Different people have different functions. We're not all supposed to be the same. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So, who you are and what you're made to do is determined by God the Father. And he wants you to be you, totally you. He's made a place for you in the family and he needs you as that foot or that hand to be functioning as you. Don't try to be Mandy and do all that wonderful prophetic art if that's not what you are. Find out who you are and be that to the full, okay? So the Bible teaches us that we're all part of his one body. There is no outside and inside in the family of God. There is no on the fringe and in the middle. I want to completely tear up that lie. There isn't. There's just hands and feet and eyes and ears and lips and noses and hair. And Okay? There is no outside and inside. If you have prayed that prayer of salvation and said, Jesus, I recognize you died for me. Forgive me my sin. Come into my life. I give you my all. He has come in. He has saved you. He has done it and he's put you in the body and there is no outside and inside. You are in. That's it. Whether you feel like it or not. And those feelings can begin to be changed as we completely accept and believe the truth of his word those feelings come, they're temporary. They can be moved. They can be transformed. Okay. So, where was I? Yeah. Even in this relatively small family, there's a great diversity among us. And this can sometimes pose challenges for us, can't it, as we try to relate and understand one another. We're one, but it doesn't mean that it's easy to be one. Okay, that's one of those wonderful tensions of truth that Jesus brings to us. It's not a problem, however, from God's kingdom perspective because he knows how to fit us all together to make us effective and how to place us. Okay, and this is what um, I'd really like us to start to focus on. He likes diversity. He invented it. So he does not want us to all necessarily have exactly the same perspective on everything it's okay I might have a very different view on something from Claire doesn't make her less a daughter of God or me we've both got the same father we've been saved by the same blood it's okay that there can be different perspectives you can vote different ways you can have different preferences the thing is about the family, 
that if we all recognise, ah, she's got the same father as me, we honour that and the differences come second. Okay. What God really likes about diversity is that he knows how to make that diversity into a unified diversity. He's not about making us uniform, but a unified diversity. And I hope in a minute to do with Chris's help, wherever he is, a little little practical demo of how that can work. Because he wants us to learn to live in harmony. And what I want to inspire us with is this thought. When the disciples of Jesus learn to live in harmony, to love one another as he has loved us, he says, by this the world will know. By this the world will know that I have come that he is the one true God. There's something that he's looking for to happen in these family relationships which brings about something supernatural that is going to be a real key thing for the demonstration of the kingdom in this area. And this is why we should keep the unity that he's already won for us. And not do this thing of, well, I feel different, I think something different from them, therefore I'm going to uh, separate myself and do my own thing over here, kind of stuff. Okay? Um, I really uh, believe at this particular junction in our juncture of our history together, it's important as a family that we do work hard for the unity of the spirit because sat in this room there could be a hundred or however many there are of us 70 different views about for example the land and the build and about money and things like this okay we're at a point in our history where the most amazing and glorious things could happen But however, if we let disunity creep in and dishonour, because we don't necessarily hold the same view, it could be our greatest disaster. So let's not let those disses take place. Okay? And also, um, the other thing that I've been noticing is, as the Spirit of God starts to move in a family... Different people start to get passionate about certain aspects of the kingdom. So whenever the Spirit of God starts to move, you will find that evangelists start to get stirred up and they start to think, oh, this is now exactly the right time. We should all be evangelizing. We should all be engaged in outreach. We need to have much more focus on that. And so on. The Spirit of God starts to move and all the teachers in the house will get this sense inside of them. What we need is teaching of the word. We really need to get into the word. We need disciples to know the word of God. All right? What you'll notice is 
as the Spirit of God starts to move and God starts to pull us into a unified diversity, you will find that the pastors, people who are called in this kind of area, will go, we really need to be emphasising caring for one another a whole lot more. We really need to look after one another. We need to have... Uh, more prayer ministry, there needs to be this, there needs to be that. Can you hear what I'm saying? And everybody thinks that their thing is the thing, and if somebody else isn't resonating with that, they think, oh, well, they've just not got it. Um, What we really must guard against is judging somebody who's not on the same page as me. But honouring. Ah, I see what's happening. An evangelist call is rising up in that person. Brilliant. I bless it. I'll support it. I don't have to be the same as it. And set me free, if I, for example, might be a teacher, to pursue that thing that God is calling me to. Do you know, it would be an absolutely beautiful and amazing and powerful thing if every single one of us sat in the room tonight was to really get hold of who I am, who you are, who we are as God's sons and daughters. We really got hold of, this is what I'm meant to be. (laughs) I'm meant to do and ran with it, wow, it'd be like dynamite. And not be held back by whether Ben wants to do the same as what I want to do. Because he probably won't want to. Because he's different and unique. And I want to see him blossom into everything he's called to be and to do in his life. So this is what I'm talking about, this unified diversity. So in this family, this is our goal, that we would be saved from judging one another and rather have our eyes open to recognise the amazing gifts and skills within every person. So here we go with our visual aid. Here we go, Chris. Tuning fork. Now, one thing I want to just correct here is we're all different. Every person on the face of this earth is uh, different and God wants to bring every single person in the face of this earth into relationship with him. But we're not one just because we're a human. We are one when we are all tuned to the one true God. Unity or unified diversity is not possible without that tuning. It's not okay. We can't be completely unified, though we must love those who follow other gods, who follow no god whatsoever. 
we must love and honour them, but we won't be unified with them because there is only one God and there is only one name by which we can be saved. And that is through the name of Jesus. It's all about, do we kiss the Son? Do we recognise that Jesus is the one that God has sent? And he is the only one who can save us. When that happens, he is our tuning fork. He is the standard from which then a unified diversity can be achieved. So can you try and strike that? Let's sing that note a moment. Okay, so that's one note. What note is it? And and there's this thing with music, isn't there? Where you can have all different instruments playing and they can, be pl- they can be playing different notes. However, they must all be tuned into the same key. They must be playing the same key. Isn't that right, Chris? He's in an orchestra, so he can tell me. All right. And this is where we then start to get a proper picture of what a uni- unified diversity is about. We each acknowledge Jesus as the one true God. We tune to that note, but then we each, as his instruments, as his children, may sing a slightly different uh, variety. Bex is cracking up. She probably knows what's coming. So, oh, Sheila. Um, so, no, do it. Stay there, Chris, please, because we're going to have a little experiment now. Now, those of you who would say, I'm not that musical, when you hear that ch- tuning fork strike, would you just sing that note? However, I know that we've got other creative people in here who could sing other notes that would be in that key. All right, harmonies, I think it's called, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't want us just to sing one note. That's boring. He wants that variety to come, but he wants it to be tuned in together. So what we're going to do now is Chris is going to strike the tuning fork again. We'll start off all on that same note. And then I would love you all to start to sing notes that harmonise and listen. Listen to what happens. Off you go, Chris. I trust you. Now start. Yes.
music to my ears. And when we live our lives tuned to the one standard of the Lord Jesus, but we get creative with that which we can bring, then we get this beautiful harmony. And it's beautiful to his ears. And it's not just about it being lovely. I believe something supernaturally powerful can be released when people come into a unity of the spirit and can be released each to be really doing that which they can do. Thank you, Chris. That's great. And I was reading in this book, there's something called, uh, and I feel a bit nervous because I can see a music teacher sitting over there, an ordeal dynamic. And when I read about it, it says it's when instruments respond to each other with sympathetic vibrations. Okay. And the best way this can be kind of grasped, there is a point to this, honest, is this story of a guy who walked into a musical instrument shop. And uh, on the walls are all these guitars hanging on the walls, drums all set on the floor. And he took an MP3, I think it was, of Vivaldi in there. And he started to play this music and he turned the volume up and he noticed at a certain point all the drums started to vibrate and the guitar strings started to vibrate and they kind of came alive. They kind of came alive. Nobody was playing them. They kind of came alive as they resonated one to another. And this is just picture language for something I'm trying to describe of a spiritual nature that can happen when we tune into the standard of Jesus. We recognise I'm supposed to be this note and I'm going to express it. What happens is it sets other people off as well. They resonate to that glorious thing that you start to do and be. And so it can be when a company of people believe that they are family and tune to the same standard of the kingdom. We begin to come alive. We each start to do our thing, whatever our thing is, and we respond to one another, and a resonance is set up, which God calls love. Which God calls love. And everyone can feel love, those inside the kingdom and those outside the kingdom. And love is what will win people to the Lord, isn't it? So that eventually glory will be brought to his name. And so this is what I want to inspire us towards tonight. And really just say in closing, find out who you really are. And get going on what you really want to do. 
do your thing, as they say in some songs. Do it. Do it because this is what the Father's wanting to orchestrate amongst us. As we just begin to prepare ourselves in a minute to take communion and to pray, I would just like to say um, tonight, if there's anybody present this evening who has never yet actually made that step into the kingdom of God and given their lives to the Lord Jesus, this is your night. He's inviting you tonight to come, to come to know God and to be part of his family and to experience that love and that forgiveness that he sent Jesus to bring to you. So when we get to the bit of doing communion, if you would like to take a decision to become a Christian, to invite the Lord into your life, I'd I'd invite you to come up and speak to me or Mike or Chrissy, and we would love to pray with you. And that can be it. It can be the first night of the rest of your life with the Lord. So let's just pray and then I'll, I'll hand back to Mike and Chrissy. Thank you that you've made us. Thank you that you believe it's possible that we can live in freedom. Thank you that it's possible that we can reflect your glory. Thank you that it's possible that we can be one because we've all got our eyes on the one Son. And we just pray tonight, Lord, that you would guard our hearts to keep the unity of the Spirit in these days of change and challenge. And that you give us eyes to see the glory in each of the other members of the family. And I pray for a move of the Spirit like we've never known before, where we each wake up to who we are and who you call us to be and boldly and bravely begin to play our tune. We call you our great conductor, Heavenly Father. Conduct the orchestra of our lives, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Very good. Thank you, Heather. That was brilliant.